Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I mean, let's be honest. You hear that? God loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. God is love. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what if I said to you, check it out. God really likes you. He does? He likes me? Yeah. He likes you. It's, I mean, it just kind of changes the whole complexion of it, doesn't it? Yeah, he likes to be around you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. You can't even come close to imagining the love that God has for you. Satan does his best to convince you that God just puts up with you, and if you just give him the excuse, he'll be ready to smite you. But as Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, God doesn't just love you. He likes you and wants to have a close relationship with you. He went to great lengths to make that possible. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Well, this brings us to verses 22 through 26. And it's the matter of the fear of the future. This is striking to me. Verse 22. It seems that Paul understood that for him to go on living meant that he would still be fruitful in the future. It's really, um, um, it gives you a glimpse into the heart of the Apostle Paul for this church. I mean, he really loves this church there in Philippi. And I notice it when he says, I would rather go be with Jesus, but I know that you really need me. <laughs> Because my being here will be fruitful for you, helpful for you. It seems that Paul knew what all of us should know, which is that God is not through with us because he still has a future plan for us. We have a saying, it's kind of a proverb, even a prayer in the uh, Arabic language, my native tongue of Arabic, that goes basically like this. Lord, keep them for me and me for them. I oftentimes pray that for my family specifically, my wife, my children, keep them for me, keep me for them. They need me, and I need them too. And by the way, this is why you're still here. What do you mean? Listen, you will not take your last breath in this world and your first breath in eternity one day or one hour or one second sooner than that final day when you're finished, when you finish the race. And God has now completed that which He had for you, and not one moment sooner. And this is why it is for the Christian 
And certainly for the Apostle Paul, that he did not fear what the future holds. As has been said, he knows who holds the future. And God has a plan for me. Well, what is that plan? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, a life verse for many. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Oh, Lord, what are those plans? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what I have in store for you. That's what I have in store for you. Let me uh, suggest something that maybe you've not thought of before. But did you know that your eternal life started the day you got saved? Right? And I say that because from then on throughout all eternity, it's glory because you're saved. And you have heaven that awaits you. That's your future. That's your future. You know, we get, we always at the end of a year reflect on the previous year and, of course, with it, the upcoming year. And then, of course, there's no shortage of predictions, you know, for the upcoming year and year in review and the year ahead. And, of course, we always you know, are so quick to make those New Year's resolutions, which last till about January the 3rd, in my case, which is why I don't make them anymore. But do you know what is in store for you in the new year? I I can make a prediction on the authority of God's Word and assure you that this is what is in store for you in 2019. Should the Lord tarry, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Until you take your last breath here, goodness, not bad, yeah, but there's some bad, yeah, but God works them all together for the good. He'll never allow anything bad to happen to you unless it ultimately is for His glory and your good. He'll never let that happen. He cannot. That's not who He is. It is incompatible with the character and the nature of a loving God who loves you more than you will ever know. You'll you'll never know how much, how great is His love for you. He loves you so much. I was thinking about this when I was in California this last week, how much I just love my son who's in college over there. And I just gave him this huge hug when I, you know, went to pick him up and uh, take him to LA for the filming. And um, as he was sitting there in the car in the passenger seat, it was just almost surreal that, you know, because I miss him so much. And the Lord just ministered to me, do you know how much you love him? Oh Lord, I I love him so much. And then this is what the Lord spoke to me. 
it's not even it's not even to be compared with how much I love you. Oh, he loves me. How about this? He even likes me. How, how about that? Sadly, we live in a day where the word like packs more punch than the word love, which has been overused. I mean, let's be honest. You hear that? God loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. God is love. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what if I said to you, check it out. God really likes you. He does? He likes me? Yeah. He likes you. It's, I mean, it just kind of changes the whole complexion of it, doesn't it? Yeah, He likes to be around you. He likes to be with you. Check it out. Isaiah writes that his thoughts towards us are innumerable. Think about that. You cannot number them. They are more than the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. That is how often He thinks about you all the time. Wow. So, why do I say that? Because if God loves me that much, then wouldn't it stand a reason that He wants what's best for me. He wants to bless me. He wants to... Think about this. Parent, mom, dad. You want to bless your children, right? You want to see them blessed and happy. And as it's been said, you're only as happy as your saddest child. And that's really true. Who of us, with children, don't know the pain of watching your children suffer and how it brings such agony to your heart? I'm kind of, again, getting ahead of myself. And in the interest of time, I'll just mention Matthew 6. It's actually a... I know I say this about a lot of passages in the Bible, but this is really one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. God has used it over the years in my life in a powerful way. Because again, I'm, I don't know if it's part of the limbic system in the brain, but some of us are just wired to worry more than others. Some of us are more prone to become fearful than others. And the words of Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew, not only tell us not to worry or not to be afraid, but tell us why. And the reason why is because we are so valuable to God. We are so loved by God. And if God is going to take care of the flowers in the field, which are of little value, here today, gone tomorrow. How much more is He going to take care of you? Infinitely more valuable, created in His image. That flower wasn't created in His image, yet it's clothed more beautifully than Solomon ever was in all of his splendor. You can just picture it, and we're going to be there in Israel, there on the Mount of Beatitudes, as it's called. And you see these flowers there on the hillside, and you see the birds in the air. I could just picture the Savior 
pointing to not only the flowers, but the birds above and, and saying to them, you see those birds up there? Do you see them fearful? <laughs> I, I, I don't see any of those birds just worrying about, man, am I going to have enough worms for next month's rent? I know that's silly, but I think you get the point. You know why? Because your heavenly Father feeds them. And they're not worried about it because your heavenly Father is going to give them everything they need. And here's the thing. Are you not more valuable than that bird? I would like to think so. That bird wasn't created in, in his image. No, it was not. I was created in his image. Yes, I was. So how much more will the Lord provide for me? Why is my faith so little when my God is so big? So don't worry. Don't be afraid. You know, in Philippians 4, when we get there, verses 6 through 8, it basically reads like this in the original. Don't worry about a thing, not one single thing. Pretty much, (laughs) I guess, covers it. And yet, we're so prone to worry. And I would submit that one of the reasons that we're so fearful and fretting and worried is because we don't really believe how loved we are and how valuable we are to our Heavenly Father. And it's tragic. This brings us to the last one in verses 27 through 30, and it's really the one that I want to spend a little bit of time on in the remainder of our time. It's this fear of difficulty and hardship and pain and suffering. I want to draw your attention to verse 27 where Paul says, Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, no matter what happens, what's going to (laughs) happen? No, whatever happens. Also, notice in verse 28, he says, without being frightened. Why would he say that if... They weren't already frightened. Well, what are they afraid of? Oh, opposition, persecution, difficulty, hardship, pain, suffering. But then, in verses 29 and 30, he goes on to say, and this is important, if we believe in Christ, we'll also suffer for Christ. That is not a popular topic for a pastor to preach on. Would you agree? I'd like to talk about believing in Christ, but I don't want to talk about suffering for Christ. Well, there's um, in Scripture passages like this in the book of Acts, it's through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I think of Job... Oh, would to God that I, like Job, could say to the Lord, Though you slay me, yet will I praise you. I want to trust you that much, Lord. 
that whatever happens, no matter what I face in the future, no matter the difficulty, the pain, the suffering, the sorrow, the grief in this life, no matter what happens, though you slay me, yet will I praise you, yet will I trust you. I think about Esther. Ah, I can't wait to meet these people. I think we're going to meet them soon. We spent all eternity with them. But I think of Esther, how terrified she was. It meant certain death if you approached the king uninvited. If that scepter was not held out, that's it. You're done. And she knew it. Sort of Mordechai. And she says these words that God by the Holy Spirit deemed fit to have recorded in the pages of Holy Writ for us. If I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. The Apostle Paul would say, if I perish, it's gain. I win either way. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. God, no matter what happens in my life, between now and My death or the rapture, whichever comes first, I pray it's the latter. (laughs) No matter what happens, you will give me the grace that is sufficient, and I will be able to bear up under it, because no trial, no temptation, no thing will happen unless you allow it for my good and your glory. I want to draw your attention to one more thing here, and it's the word struggle. Some of your translations render it differently, but in the original language, it's the Greek word agon, and it's where we get our English word for agony. Agony. (laughs) What? You know what Paul's saying? It's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, no matter what happens. You're going to be in a lot of agony, but God. There's no reason to be fear, fearful, full of fear. Instead, you can be full of joy. He's saying that no matter what happens, we have no reason to fear, because pain is never in vain for those God deems worthy of such suffering. What did you just say? God deems worthy of such suffering. When our daughter Noelle died, I cried out to the Lord, and of course, why? Nothing wrong with the why questions, by the way. Sometimes God isn't going to answer those why questions, and we'll never know why until we're there in glory with Him. But one of the things he ministered to me was, is that I deemed you worthy, a worthy recipient of such pain and suffering. And it really changed the whole complexion of it for me. Changed the whole dynamic. And then it was what he spoke to me, to my heart, not audibly, but to my heart came in the form of a question. And it it went like this. If I were to come to you 
and your wife and ask you to give birth to a baby girl that you would bond with and love for a very short period of time before she died and came here to be with me, would you accept that? I'll tell you, I couldn't imagine him saying to me, well, (laughs) like Mordecai to Esther, well, if not, then I'll find someone else. Deliverance will come from another. I have deemed you a worthy recipient of such a bitter cup. Do you want this or should I find another? No, Lord. Can't imagine my life having not had her for the short period of time that I did. I'm going to close with F.B. Meyer, and you'll forgive the emotions of it all. He says it ever so eloquently this way. He says, everyone cannot be trusted with suffering. All could not stand the fiery ordeal. They would speak rashly and complainingly. So the master has to select with careful scrutiny the branches which can stand the knife. Look up and take each throb of pain each hour of agony as a gift. Dare to thank Him for it. Look inside the envelope of pain for the message it enfolds. It is a rough packing case, but there is treasure in it. When the prophet came to King Asa and queried him, saying, Don't you know that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hearts fully devoted to Him, fully trusting in Him? And when He finds such a heart, He will then be strong on their behalf. The question becomes, when the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, does He find me? Does He deem me a worthy recipient of things that the world would look upon with great horror, fear, and trepidation? There's a lot to learn from this joyful New Testament book, Philippians. And we're so glad you've joined us to walk through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Philippians isn't just about the Apostle Paul's rejoicing, though. There are many references to this emotion. This book is also honest about the difficulties that followers of Christ will face. People will oppose the truth of the gospel, and you may face persecution from non-believers. But you can rest assured that Jesus knows, and He sees, and He can change lives anyway. You can be glad and rejoice in the Lord just as Paul did. If you'd like to listen to more Pastor J.D.'s teachings on this book, you'll find them on our website. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen. 
You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. You can access these updates through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today and join us next time right here on In Spirit and Truth. truth, truth.